for me, the number one place I hear God, <laughs> the golf course. That's interesting. I hear the devil's voice at the golf course very often, <laughs> but I don't often hear God's voice. Now, why is that? Throw that club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say that word louder. <laughs> Hit that person. <laughs> you stink. You'll never do anything. <laughs> I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how to operate in a spirit. This is Happy Life Studios. This message is for you. This message is for you. This message is singular to you. It's not for anybody else. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to understand. Hey, are you happy? Now that's a great question. Does the sun set high? Does the sun set high? Welcome to Happy Life Studios. Good morning, Happy Life! <laughs> What's up, Happy Lifers? This is Steve-O. This is Tony. Guess what movie we've been watching? <laughs> I, I find this very interesting. I started watching uh, Good Morning Vietnam, and I'm, I guess we don't have to worry about uh, spoiler alert, since the movie's over like 20 years old. 1987. <laughs> well, we probably need to be more concerned about, do people even know what movie we're talking about? That's true. But it's called Good Morning Vietnam. It's about a, a radio station during the Vietnam conflict in Vietnam to help encourage and support the troops that are over there going through just a terrible, terrible war. So I started watching that movie, and then the Olympics hit. And once the Olympics hit, everything else hit a break. I mean, I, I all I did was just watch the Olympics as much as I possibly could because I just love watching Olympics. In fact, near the end, I was sad that the, it was over, but I was kind of glad too because I was starting to find myself wanting to get back into movies because, you know, I, when people talk about hearing God's voice, they relate it to things like, well, from reading the Bible and from listening to a sermon or things like that. But to me, the number one place I hear God, um, <laughs> the golf course. Hot tubs. Oh, I love hearing God's voice on hot tubs, just hanging out with them in there. Uh, but movies are probably my number one because I'm so visual. That's interesting. I hear the devil's voice at the golf course very often, <laughs> but I don't often hear God's voice. Now, why is that? Throw that club. <laughs> yeah. Say that word louder. Hit that person. <laughs> right. You stink. You'll never do anything. <laughs> Oh, but I hear God's voice all the time in movies because I'm a visual person, so I tend to see God. And, you know, I hear God's voice in the Bible. I hear God's voice through sermons and stuff like that. But I, I think when we limit hearing God's voice to those things, we limit to hearing God's voice in our everyday life because you, you can't be listening to sermons all the time and you can't That's be, true. you know, always reading the Bible. you got to be out there doing what you got to do. And so if we can learn how to hear and see God in everything that we do, then God can always speak to us. You know, I think God is always speaking to us, but now we can hear him and actually converse back. And the good part is when you're with somebody else, like my, one of my favorite things is when you and I are together and we go to them, like say we go to a, there's just a dumb cartoon that we're going to watch. <laughs> right. And I look over at you and we're both crying, like two grown men and there's all these kids in the movie. And, we're, and then I, then it makes me laugh. Cause then I think, well, we're crazy. But somehow somebody else is getting this too. <laughs> and so uh, everyone else, and you get out of a movie, you're like, did you catch that? And they're like, what? That was a good movie. 
Like, no, you missed, right. the, you missed the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I missed the whole oh, point. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I remember the last time we went to a, a movie or watching it. It was Darkest Hour, remember? And, and you, were, yeah. you were like, oh, God, wh- whatever happened? You used to talk to me all the time in movies. Yeah, well, that movie, we got hit really hard. I mean, <laughs> the truth just came through <laughs> loud and clear. Yeah. So here's the crazy thing. So I start to watch Good Morning Vietnam. I get about 15, 20 minutes into it, and then the Olympics happen, and then I forget all about it. Now, a happy lifer texts me. One of our happy lifers has been binging on the on the Happy Life podcast, actually told me, he said, I've been a happy lifer and hadn't even realized it. It was really cool, the things he was telling me. And he, he wants to start doing podcasts with us on Happy Life. So he texted me and said, I just got done watching Good Morning Vietnam, so I'm going to be able to help you do podcasts now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks for, for the reminder. I started that movie and I forgot. So I went back to watch it right away that night, and it just hit me hard, just rocked my world. And then I talked to you like the next day, and I said, hey, I just got done watching Good Morning Vietnam, and you said... I'd watch it too, yeah. <laughs> and we had gotten free HBO for the weekend, last weekend, and when we get that, I record 25 movies. Yeah, you So I do. have them to watch because we have a DVR, but we don't have HBO. And uh, so it was cool that I got to watch it too. When things like that pop up, I think God is trying to get our attention personally. I think God is trying to speak to us. I think we need to pay attention when you start seeing the same thing over and over again. I mean, to have three different people from two different conversations all have a watching the movie at the same time, thousands of miles apart from each other is just crazy. And just think, what if we would have called each other and said, let's all watch Good Morning Vietnam and see if God talks to us. <laughs> right. that's what we do at church so often. That is. We try to organize that right. instead of just let it happen. I mean, <laughs> you know, well, let's, we're going to talk about this chapter in the book. How about we just talk about what we've been reading lately? And you're going to be surprised at how many times you're like, you're feeling that way too? You're seeing that <laughs> right. too? Which reminds me, talk about you're seeing that too. The part that nailed me the most, and I really related to um, Adrian Cronauer there. He's a DJ that didn't fit, but he's a DJ that reached people on the front lines. The point of, of the movie is it's a radio station set up in Vietnam to encourage the troops that were just going through it, make them dance, make them laugh. And so they bring this comedian in, but the middle management, you know, they didn't like him because he wasn't like them. They felt like the answer to these soldiers was to sedate them, literally. I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say literally. My boys, that's not what that word means. But they would, the music was so calm and mellow. And you got these people fighting this war, and they're like, we want to calm them down, not rile them up. But Robin Williams would show in, and he was just very unorthodox. And they didn't like that because he wasn't like them. And he was loud and crazy, but the troops loved him. I could really relate to him. And the thing that, the scene that really hit me the most is the scene that you said your your movie glitched on or something? Yeah, when I got to that part of the movie, I watched that scene and then it stopped recording for some reason. So I couldn't even watch the rest of the movie. I just watched right up to that whole crescendoed scene. And the the character that I identified with was Garlic, who was kind of the guy who worked at the radio station in the service and he picked up Adrian Cronauer from the airport and then he kind of became the guy who was trying you know he became the um the rancher on the back of a horse tr- you know with the lasso trying to keep Adrian Cronauer from going crazy or going off in one horrible direction getting lost and just just constantly trying to help him um even risking his own life to do so at times and I thought well that's my relationship with Steve-O <laughs> 
It's so weird, too, because when I'm watching that movie, I'm thinking, that's Tony, man. <laughs> and they got along so well with each other. They both had a great sense of humor, but one couldn't survive without the other. Each person needed each other. That's the whole point that we've been talking about community. So it's so weird that you related to that character, and I thought that you were that character, and you related. I related to the character that you thought that I was like. And, um, <laughs> and, and then you were like, did you see that scene? I was like, yeah, that's a scene that nailed me, and that's a scene that it – it stopped recording and that it just went to that scene. That's all that you really needed to see. That yep. scene was just a powerful scene. I mean, Adrian Cronauer was ready to quit. He was tired of facing the resistance. And sometimes, you know, when you're different, when you're unorthodox, you're trying to be who you are. And that doesn't mean just to be obnoxious for obnoxious sake, but, but you're trying to do what you're supposed to do. And, and Adrian Cronauer was doing something the other DJs weren't doing. He was reaching the masses just by being who he was. But he got so tired of facing the resistance from the middle management that at some point he's just like, I'm done. And Garlic, you know, the character that Forrest Whitaker played, he's like, they need you on the front lines. They need to hear you. They need you on this radio program. These soldiers, these troops, they need you. And Adrian Cronauer just wouldn't listen. He was just ready to quit. He's like, I can't keep facing this resistance. I'm done. And then the scene that you got stuck on. Yeah. Why did that scene mean so much to you? Well, I, I think sometimes it's about knowing our roles in relationships that's important. I think that's one of the things for me that when God leads me to a certain place or interacts with me, it's often about the relationship that I'm in with somebody and what my place is in that relationship. And I think that's why I recognized myself and Garlic so much is Garlic was there, had been there, I don't, we don't know how long before Cronauer came, but he stepped right into that relationship and it was very natural. And so when it got to the point where Cronauer was at the edge and was ready to you know, jump off and just screw everything up and throw it all away, you could see in his eyes that he was looking for something. And uh, they got into a traffic jam um, yeah. where there was a cow or something in the road and all these army trucks pulled up with filled with guys in the back and right it was probably four trucks well they pulled up right in the middle of them and as soon as he pulled up he got a smile on his face and that's yeah. the moment of the movie that i guess i get shivers when i think about it yeah. like that smile i know that i know that time in that place and he stood up and he said you guys will never guess what i have in this truck with me and the whole and, time cron hour is like saying don't do this don't yeah. do this stop it sit down shut up <laughs> And he said, I have... Just like you uh, and me. Yeah, exactly. So he stood up and announced who he had, and then all of a sudden he had to be on because there's 200 guys looking at him, and he went on for 10 minutes to do a basically a show and encouraging the guys and talking to the Making guys. Making laugh. And... Didn't matter if he was on the radio or not. He When he is who he is, God was using him in a way that... And it was so steve to me. And there's... Steve-O lives a, a... It's a hard life. Being in ministry is hard. Walking in faith is hard. Um, there is a million things to trip you up. And Not the truth. Taking care of your family, money, making sense of things, you know, as you're walking down a, you know, a trail that's kind of spiked with landmines everywhere. You know, doubt creeps in so quickly. And there's got to be a way out of that. And But doubt is part of the journey. Oh, that I really believe that. So I think so, too. Um, and and the, the whole thing with with Aiden Cronauer that I just really, really related to here was that much like us, um, he didn't see the difference he was making. He only heard it because he was staring. His face was inches away from the studio microphone, just like we are right now. 
right. and he's stuck in a in the small little you know DJ booth. But when he gets out to where the real people were and saw the difference that his message was making, that's what kicked him into gear and said he was ready to go on. That's when he was ready to just say, doubt, forget it. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing what I'm doing, but we don't always see the difference that we're making. And I don't know about you, Tony, but for me, you know, back in the day when I was, you know, a kid in church, we always preached on sex, drugs, and rock and roll and the dangers of those things. But I'm telling you what, <laughs> the thing that's hindered me more than anything else has been doubt. That's for sure. And it's often showed up in the area of insecurity, but I'm telling you, that is a nasty sucker. Doubt will kick us off happy path that fast. Doubt will kick us off from what we're called to do. And Tony, you're the guy that chases after me, like that scene where he sees that woman and he all of a sudden buys these bikes from a couple of... <laughs> locals and he chases after her on this bike and garlic your character is stuck on the spike with no rubber on his tires but what is what's the guy do garlic follows him all the way and and um the number one thing that stopped me more than anything else was my unbelief was doubt and you are always following me you're always chasing just like in that scene you're always chasing after me and my doubt and you come and you bring me back and you say steve stop it so i was almost in tears in that part watching just thinking about my relationship with you and and a couple other people i have in my life that do that for me because i'm telling you what doubt is just nasty and you know one of the biggest problems with doubt is that we think that we're the only ones that have it right and that's for me you know, I, if I have certain giftings, that's one of them is I, I'm attracted to people who doubt, to be honest. Wow, that's strange. That <laughs> I'm surrounded by people like that. And that's the person I'd like to talk to. And wow. I, I grew up thinking that I was somehow broken on the inside. I was a questioner. I questioned everything and I still tend to. And uh, it's funny that one thing that changed how God talked me through that and taught me that was uh, I used my parents used to get Reader's Digest. I love that magazine as a kid. <laughs> I used to really like that magazine. Love the short articles because they spoke to my attention span. But I there was a page that had quotes on it, and I've always since I was young loved quotes, and I used to cut cut the quotes out a lot of times that were relevant. And that was always the first section I went to. Sometimes it was the only section I would read was that right. and humor and uniform humor and laughter uniform, by accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I always went to the quotes, man. Yeah. I still have a bunch of them on my bulletin board right here at my desk. And really? So there's there's one that um, still strikes me. And I, I can distinctly remember opening that magazine up that day. And the title of the quote was Good Doubt. And like why it caught my attention was those are opposite words. It didn't make any sense at first. Like how can doubt be good? Right. That's like good grief. It's like an oxymoron. It's like good doubt. Seriously? That, that little such thing. Right. Exactly. In my mind, it was bad. In my mind, it meant I didn't have enough faith or I wasn't trusting. So the quote says, and I don't know who made the quote. Um, I probably could look that up at some point, but I cut that part off. It <laughs> nice. didn't, doesn't really matter to me, but um, it said, Good doubt. Uh, if you would be a real seeker after truth, it is necessary that at least once in your life you doubt, as far as possible, all things. And it sounds like it probably was some philosopher that had written that, but... That made sense to me, and that from that point on, I've connected uh, my journey, my walk, that in order to get to, to truth, in order to get to faith, in order to get to the things that I need, that I have to go through a period of doubt, that that's part of the journey, so it has to be good. Um, as long as I go th understand that it's something to go through, 
It's something I don't shouldn't carry that doubt on my shoulder at all times. It's like you can't have light without dark, right? right? You can't have faith without doubt. I mean, doubt is the friction. It's the force that you push up against to build the faith. Check out this quote. Talk about not knowing who it's from. His name is Noli. It's Unamuno. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know who the guy is. But to me, truth is truth. And yes, it's good to find out who says what, because usually there's an agenda behind what you're saying. So, you know, something can look really good. But the person that's saying it, you're like, OK, I see where they're trying to take me. So all I know is this quote, was it just nailed me. It's the same thing that you just said. Check this out. He said, those who believe they believe in God, but without passion in the heart, without anguish of mind, without uncertainty, without doubt, and even at times without despair, believe only in the idea of God and not in God himself. I'm like, wait a minute, you're talking about believing in God and how you have to have doubt and despair and mm. and anguish of mind. It just comes with that and the passion of the heart. And I, I, I didn't even know what that meant at first. I just knew it meant something. So I just went into that quote and I just hung out there for a long time and it, it still rocks my world. But you're, you're right. If we, we kick ourselves because we're like, well, we doubt and no one else doubts. And first of all, you see all these movie stars and they get up there and they start talking and you start picking up insecurities from them. You start picking up doubt from them and everyone goes, why would you doubt? You've got it all made. But the truth is we all doubt. But you know, I like what he said there. If, if you say you believe in God, but you don't doubt, you don't believe in God. You just believe in the idea of God. And I think that we have this idea of happy, this idea of God that everything works out perfect. And if you follow God, you're going to be rich and there's going to be no problems, no struggle. God, why would you allow this to happen? Why would you? They don't believe in God. They only believe in the idea of this God that's there to give them a perfect life. I agree 100% that it's it, it, it takes something that's supposed to be very real. And the Bible is supposed to be you know, applicable to our lives it's about God, but it's about our relationship with God. It's about God's relationship with us. And so, like, the Bible doesn't say that doubting Thomas was any less of a apostle than any of the rest of them. You know, the fact that he doubted wasn't, I don't, doesn't really portray it as anything that's was something wrong with him. It's something he did. Right. In fact, you don't have to read the Bible very long to read that all these people that we see as heroes in the Bible were just human beings that doubted. And out of their doubt, did some really stupid things. The guy who wrote most of the Psalms, his name was David, and he was his one of his titles is he was a man after God's own heart. That's what how God saw him. And yet this guy doubted like crazy. In fact, I've heard some theologians say that he had like he was bipolar or he had some you know something going on there. I just think he was a human being and he was honest about how he really felt. That's right. I think that we all doubt. Yeah. Some people just talk about it, and other people hide that disability. That's for sure. You know that is really caused to bring us to a place of ability. Well, I I think the other thing that doubt in my mind does, sometimes it it leads us to other people in relationship that God wants us to have. And that's one of the greatest way that God speaks. It's just through leading. It's through bringing us into the presence of somebody else that, you know, knows something we don't or just loves us no matter what, uh, encourages us. And so if you don't have that doubt, sometimes you're not going to move towards those relationships that we really need. That's the truth. Sometimes when we're living in doubt or insecurity, it's really hard to hear God's voice. It's really hard to allow God to guide us because doubt just makes us bigger noise. It just keeps getting in the way and blah, blah, blah. It's getting in our face and saying, pay attention to me. Don't pay attention to that because faith is about stepping out and not knowing the answers, but just believing. And doubt is the opposite of that. 
So, Tony, we've talked a lot about doubt and how it's a necessary ingredient and and how, you know, really we all struggle with doubt. Some just are more open about it. And I think I'd like to talk about how do you handle doubt? What's the answer? What's the antidote? How do we get back on the happy path again? How do we get back onto our destiny again to where we're supposed to go? How do we handle doubt? And for me, you got to talk about it. You know, you have to let people know that you're struggling with that or they can't help you. And the problem is if we think that we're the only ones that struggle with doubt, we don't want to talk about it. But the moment we find out that someone else struggles with it, it's a lot easier to say, I'm struggling too. And I think that's one solution to doubt is to find someone that that you can talk to. Yeah, I think, and I think, I believe that doubt is part of God's tool, wow. like in his toolbox. Interesting. And I've always seen it as that we put like blinders on horses so they can't see the horses around them, yeah. they can only see straight ahead. But I think doubt is like reverse blinders. It it stops us from being able to look straight ahead and see the path that we're supposed to be on, where God's taking us. It forces us to turn side to side and see who's walking next to us. And I think that's purposeful because I think I think God knows we're in moments and in time where we need others. Yeah. And um, so doubt could be isolating if we don't reach outside the side if we keep trying to look ahead it becomes frustrating and and what we need generally is right next to us it's the it's the person right next to us and it could come anywhere it could come in a church service it could come right. at the gas station it could come at a restaurant it could come sitting in our own living yeah. room with our kids and our you know husbands and wives and that's Who knows? the the key is being vulnerable we like we've talked about before is being vulnerable and opening up and i can't you know, you know this for a fact. I mean, you're the guy that's always on the bike with no rubber on the wheels, chasing after me, going down the road of doubt, and and you're following behind me, and you just that means so much to me with my friends that that do that for me. Because the number one thing I do when I start to doubt, man, is I find people in my life like yourself, and I call you, I contact you. I got some friends out here that I'm like, we got to hit Buffalo Wild Wings, we got to hit B Dubs, man. I, I I need to talk. I need to because I think we are supposed to go through with each other. And all great drama, all great movies, all great stories, just like Good Morning Vietnam, have that element of doubt, and the character faces doubt and says, you know what? Nope. I'm going to stay back on the path and something rocks their world or brings them back to that path that they're supposed to be on. And that comes from being honest and having people in our lives to help us through the doubt. And I think if someone comes to us and they have doubt in our lives too, you know, you got to be careful who you do that with because some people judge that and they try to act like they don't have any doubt at all. But so Tony, when I come to you with all my doubt, what are some of the thoughts that go through your mind and, and what, how, how do you handle me? How do you get through that? Do you ever just go, man, this guy is doubting again? Sometimes. <laughs> okay. But we're in this for the long haul. And for me, most relationships are the long haul, and I'm all about that. And I, it's very obvious where God's taking you, what God's doing in your life, and how gifted you are. And so um, you're the voice of this large community. And um I just think it's, I I know my place. I know what I need to do and how to help that. And some days it can be getting mad at you. Some days it's just goofing around and, you know, whatever. It could be, there's just a million things it could be. Uh, But it's all a matter of just being in it together. And I always, everything comes back to that for me. That God puts it in our lives the people we need. And all we got to do is look to the side and, and there we are. So, um, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I think we shouldn't panic. And I think that 
I think that's one of I the agree. things I learned in church that when somebody's doubting, it's time to panic. It's time for everybody to get yeah. around them and lay their hands on them and pray for them. And we need some miracle. Well, that often doesn't ever happen. So, you know, what about when that doesn't happen? You know, what, what is, what's the real deal? Well, God's taken us purposely through things and allowing things to come into our lives. So just embrace them um, and then embrace yes. other people at the same time. It's, it's a pretty simple formula. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say too. When they come to you, um, and the one reason we don't go to people and say that is because we're afraid of this. When they come to you, they don't need to be judged. They need to be yeah. hugged. They need to be told it's going to be okay. And some of us struggle with doubt more than other people. Um, but we all need to have garlics in our life. Yeah. Food don't taste the same without garlic, right? <laughs> we all have to have somebody that's, that helps us with our doubt, that helps us with our fear, that helps us with our, you know, insecurities. And, uh, but we've got to be vulnerable. We've got to find those people and, uh, we need to open up to them, uh, a little bit at a time if, if need be. But, um, we need each other to go down this path. And you will be happy so thank you all for listening we hope that helps um it's okay to doubt it's okay to fear find someone that you can do that with steve ace